The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. And so, you know, we've been talking about how you and I uh, can manifest God's abundance in our lives. And uh, really, the purpose of uh, manifesting God's abundance in our lives is so that we can be a blessing to others. Amen. It is so that we can, uh, uh, you know, reach, as uh, Q was preaching, uh, people with the gospel and really uh, uh, just meet every need, just like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did uh, when he was here on the earth. So let's go now to Romans chapter number 12, uh, verse 2, which is our foundational scripture. Romans chapter number 12, uh, verse 2. And he says this, he says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. By means of uh, a recap, a quick recap, you know, we learned building up to today that, you know, Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2 are one of the most important scriptures for any New Testament believer. Uh, once you get born again, you know, you come into the kingdom of God. Uh, Romans chapter number 12 from 1 to 2 become very important because now you're in the kingdom. Now now it's time to manifest a kingdom lifestyle. Amen. Uh, before you get born again, you really need to get born again. And so 2 Corinthians 5.17 is, is, is where you want to be. Romans 10, 9 and onwards, hear the gospel and repent and come to Jesus. But once you're in the kingdom, uh, Romans chapter number 12, verse 2, uh, 1 and 2, offer yourself, your body as a pleasing sacrifice to God. And verse 2, you know, experience some transformation uh, through, through changing the way you think. And it says when you do that, you'll be able to uh, produce or to manifest what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And so I shared this testimony last week uh, that, you know, in 2010, uh, man, I, I mean, we were, we were struggling. I was struggling. And uh, uh, my struggles had struggles on them. It was that bad. And uh, so I needed something that works. And so I went to, to the scripture. And it was as if the Lord was standing right there with me. And he said to me, Tafara, uh, all you need to do is one thing. And you can change your life. You can change your circumstances. And I said, what's that? And he said, go and read in Romans chapter number 12, uh, verse 2. And so and I went and I read that. And the first thing he said to me was, you're going to have to get rid of all the, 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 the world uh, thinking that you have. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, a system of thinking that is based on the world, on the world system. He says, you need to get rid of that. Don't be conformed to that. Don't be poured into the mold of thinking like the world thinks. Amen. And then he said, but be transformed. 
And thank God you told us how this transformation comes. Because after I studied the word transformation, you know, the analogy they use is a, a, a caterpillar transforming into a butterfly. It's radical change of form. And so I thought, man, if this is true and there's a promise in Scripture for me to be changed uh, this way, you know, not just a, a, a change of location, but a change of form, if this is true, man, I want it for myself. And thank God he tells us how this transformation comes. He doesn't leave it to our imagination. Amen? He tells it to us. Thank God he did that. Because they did not, you know, someone would have gotten up in a position that I'm in and uh, offered us transformation by other means. You know, transformation by laying on of hands, transformation by, uh, uh, you know, buying a prayer cloth or anointing oil. No, he tells us how this transformation comes. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Man, you're going to have to change the way you think. And I already said it. I'm going to say it again. This is the first sermon Jesus ever preached after he was anointed of the Holy Ghost and he came out of the wilderness empowered by the Holy Ghost to preach. It's the first sermon he ever preached. What did he say? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And that word repent is metanoia, which means change the way you think. And so Jesus was preaching. There is a new system of thinking in town. That produces after its kind. And so, you know, you could get born again and uh, come into the kingdom of God. But if you don't get to transform uh, your mind and change the way you think, man, you won't be able to produce the kingdom lifestyle. It's sad to say that there are many people in the church, but a few experiencing a kingdom lifestyle that Jesus paid for. There is a church life, but then there is a kingdom lifestyle. And God just doesn't want us to have a church life. And sometimes you can get, get, get so good at church life and not so good at kingdom life that you miss out on the things that Jesus already paid for. Amen? And so it's time for the church to rise up so we can step into this kingdom lifestyle. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He didn't say be transformed uh, by the renewed mind. He said be transformed by the renewing, I-N-G, it's a present continuous tense, which means it's talking about a lifestyle. And so mind renewal is a way of life. You know, I remember way back in 2010 um, when my wife convinced me to uh, start living healthy and get fit and go to the gym. And I've been since 2010 going to the gym, you know, for at least three times in a week you know, without, without stopping. And uh, she told me, she said, this is going to be our lifestyle until we leave the earth. I thought it was until I get a six pack. She said, no. She said, this is what you're going to be doing. If you want to be married to me, this is one of the conditions. And so, you know, I had to impress. And so I went on that treadmill and punched in 15. I mean, I was sprinting. Praise the Lord. And I got the girl, so it worked. You know, you can't say nothing about it. Anyway, mind renewal is a lifestyle. Amen? I said amen. amen. But here's what we're dealing with. Today we want to look at something different that I believe is going to be of a great blessing to you. Uh, last week we said you are a spirit. That's the real you, right? You are a spirit. Spirit, that's the real you. Uh, you possess a soul. And you live in a body, right? And so your body 
is not the real you. And so if we understood this functionally, this could take away all the prejudices. I mean, it would take away all the craziness that's going on in the world. The real person we are dealing with when we are dealing one uh, with another is, is the spirit man. That's the real you. Amen? That is the real you. And so it would take away all the discrimination. You know, there's a preacher, famous, one of the famous uh, preachers in California. They actually, as a strip named after the church, have been on that property. And uh, they kicked him out of the association, you know, two weeks ago. Kicked him out of this big association. And the reason they kicked him out was because he believed that women must uh, be allowed to preach and have uh, a ministry of their own and things of that nature. And the association didn't understand it. Why? Because they did not understand that the real person is the spirit. There are no female spirits. There are no male spirits. This is why when you come to Christ, the Apostle Paul says it's like this. He says there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is no male or female because there are no male or female spirits. Yep. Amen. Amen. Womanhood, manhood, it's all the same once you get in the hood. Amen. All you got to do is get born again. You come in the hood, you're fine. Amen. I said amen. And so the real person you're dealing with is, is a spirit. And so we said this last week, that when the Bible speaks to you, when you read your Bible during your morning devotion, it's either talking to your spirit, your soul, or your body. And so if you take something that is addressing to your body and try to apply it to your spirit, it's going to be confusing. You know, when he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, If any man be in Christ is a new creature, behold, all things have passed away, everything has become brand new, he's evidently not talking to your body. If he was, then your body, I mean, you'd get a glorified body the day you get born again. But here's the truth, guys, is that if you didn't have hair before you got born again, you're still not going to have hair after you get born again. Why? Because he's not talking to your body. The new creature happened in your spirit. He says, any man being Christ is a new creature. All things have passed away. Everything has become brand new. He's not talking to your soul. Because if you were dumb before you got born again, you'll still be dumb the day after you get born again. But thank God you can change that. He has given you his word so you can fix that. Amen. Amen. And so when we go to Ephesians chapter number 4 from verse 17 to 18, we see another dimension of what I'm talking about. And I'm going to try and illustrate it this way. Let's go to Ephesians chapter number 4 from verse 17. I'm going to try and, and draw a better diagram for you guys than I did in the first service. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. You know, I'm trying to fix this, right? This is where, where, we, where we at. Live. Life on earth. This is your mind. This is your spirit. And so this is what's happening by way of, of a diagram, right? And this is your steering. This is your steering. It's your, it's your, uh, uh, your mind. Your mind is the steering for what, you may ask. Let's go to Ephesians 4, uh, verse... Uh, 17. This is what he says in Ephesians 4 verse 17. He says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. How do the Gentiles walk? He tells us in the futility of their what? Of their minds. So the Gentiles, the unbelievers, people out there, uh, they walk in the futility of their minds. So I was interested and I went and I looked up that word futility. It's the Greek word matites, which means inutility. It also means 
uh, uh, amusement, which is the opposite of muse, meditation. And uh, basically what he's talking about is inutility. Lost people don't use their brains. That's what he's saying. He says, don't walk as lost people in the futility of their minds or vanity of their minds, depending on which version you're, you're reading. And if you look up this word, you know, the Greek word I just gave you, it also means amusement. What that means is all lost people use their minds for is for entertainment. Which is the opposite of muse. And muse is meditation on God's word. And he's saying, do not walk as, as people that just subject their thinking to entertainment. People are just looking for entertainment. They want to be entertained, you know. Uh, I was throwing Pastor H under the bus last week, talking about what he did 10 years ago. I tried to pick him up for life group, and he would say, no, I'm not coming down. I'm saying, only to find out. He came and told me last week that the reason he was not coming to life group to study God's word was because he was staying behind to watch Seven Deland. That's what he told me. He said, man, I, he said, man, I couldn't do it. I, I, hey, listen, I needed to watch what is seven delight? I don't know what that is. He told me, he said, man. And, and here's the truth. Here's the deal. Here's what he told me. He's we're talking 10 years ago. He didn't have a job. He didn't have money. He's broke. He's stressed out. And the best use of his mind was seven delight. It's in Afrikaans? So how did you watch that? Subtitles. Oh my goodness. Oh. <laughs> Pastor Ed just said, hey, PT, just so you know, it's an African. I said, how do you watch it? I was expecting him to say, man, I know a little African. I said, no, subtitles. <laughs> man, that's bad. <laughs> and so what unbelievers do is they subject their thinking just to entertainment. And, and, and the Apostle Paul is saying, do not walk like that. Don't walk like that. You know, because everything you're reading is shaping your mind. It's a sermon to you. You know, when you, when you read that newspaper, uh, uh, the Sowetan. That newspaper? What is it? Is, is it? Which one? Sunday Sun. The Sunday Sun. When you read the Sunday Sun. Man, have you noticed the headlines on the Sunday Sun? They're all crazy. Woman cuts off husband's head, burning it in paraffin. And someone buys that newspaper. And so what he's saying is, yeah, he says woman turns husband into a goat. I mean, it's crazy. But here's what I'm saying, guys, is that when you allow your mind to be at the level of just amusement, in utility, the Apostle Paul says, he says, this is what happens, verse 18. He says it brings a dark darkness to your understanding. Having the understanding darkened, and when that happens, watch what, watch what happens. It says being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Now, there's a life of God that he put here. It says God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Prosperity. Prosperity, right? Prosperity is in here. Uh, uh, healing is in here. Peace is in here. Right? Everything that you need to live a sustained, uh, joyful life, the Apostle Paul says, uh, uh, we must give glory to God who richly gives us all things to enjoy. We must be in a place of peace all the time, 
all of that, when you got born again, God put it in your spirit in an instant. You do not lack anything. And so he gave you a mind to allow all of this to flow. Now you can either open the tap, the valve, or close it. How do you open the tap? Knowledge. How do you close it? Ignorance. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, if you have ignorance, you're going to be separated from the life of God that is in you. Oh, Shaka Zulu. And you can do all the church things. Here's the deal. You could be doing all the church things. When do we have church? Tuesday? We do something on Tuesday? You could be here on Tuesday. Wednesday? Do we have something on Wednesday? I'm not sure. You could be here on Wednesday. Thursday? You could be at live group. Friday? You could be doing something else. Sunday? You could be busy doing church. If you don't fix your thinking, even though that life is already in you, it will not find an outlet so it can ex be experienced right here on the earth. And so God has given us a way to fix that. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. I'm going to read from verse 4 to 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 uh, from verse 4 uh, to verse number 6. And the Apostle Paul says it like this. He says, for the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but mighty in God uh, for pulling down strongholds. Did you see that? Now, just right there, before we go any further, I need to explain some stuff, right? I need to explain some stuff. What's happening here is the, the, the Apostle Paul realizes that we, you and I are in a spiritual battle. We are all in a spiritual battle, whether you like it or not, and you can't play dead in this spiritual battle. You're either going to have to learn to fight or be defeated. This is why he encourages us to fight the what? The good fight of faith. You know, growing up, I used to think I could play dead. I mean, I would have these imaginations, you know, thinking, you know, if there was ever war in our country, uh, I would go and buy myself some uh, tomato sauce. And then when the soldiers come close to our house, I just spray some tomato sauce on my head and just lie down on the floor and play dead. Now, this enemy we're dealing with is going to poke you. <laughs> poke you, right? He's going to poke you with something. Last week we read in Mark chapter number 4 that he will poke you with, with challenges of life. He says you bring affliction for the word's sake. We, we learned that uh, uh, anxiety, stress, uh, worry, and deceit of riches. He will poke you with those things to try and get the, the word. He's, he's coming for a fight because he wants to steal the word from you. And so it says here that we have weapons. Thank God we can fight back. We don't have to play dead. We can fight back. Give me that gun. I want to fight back. And so this is the gun that God gives to the believers to fight back. He says, for the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty in God to pulling down strongholds. I know I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again uh, for the purposes of you who have never heard me say this. You know, many years ago, I went to a prayer uh, meeting, and uh, we were praying this prayer, and we were pulling down strongholds. I remember vividly, uh, if Tina is here, he would remember too. Man, we would walk around pulling down strongholds. We're pulling down strongholds. We're pulling. And the Lord stopped me halfway. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm pulling down strongholds. He said, from where? I said, from the heavenly place. He says, to where? I said, to here. He said, are you sure you want them where you are? And I stopped praying. 
And I went and I studied what strongholds were, and that's what I'm about to give to you. Strongholds are limiting beliefs that we build over time that become a software that runs our thinking. And we build them one brick at a time. Whenever, you know, you, 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 your people, this is why I went and I bought this coil here to, to, to illustrate this, that, you know, strongholds are tracks that people run on. This is what it looks like. You know, growing up, I remember, you know, we would go to school and teachers would tell people, man, you'll never amount to anything. If you accept that as a sermon, as gospel truth, you, you, form, you use it as a building block for your belief system. Even though it's not true, if you accept that, that this is what they said. They said, I'll never amount to anything. They, they're right, and you accept that, and you start to create a track to run on. If you believe, I remember we would visit my grandparents in the rural areas, and this is how they fed us. They would put one big ball of pop, one big ball of stew mixed with vegetables, sit uh, 12 boys around it, on your marks, get set, go, and whoever had the fastest hands and whoever could stomach hot food went after it. And what it did is it gave us something, a track to run on that said, stuff is running out. And there's scarcity. Fortunately, some of my friends took it to government. But I'm just saying. <laughs> when you're an elected official, it's not time to eat. It's time to serve. Can I get an amen? amen? And so it gives you a track to run on. And this track is saying scarcity. Something is about, and it gives you a track. And, and sometimes the track is so messed up. You, you can't faithfully steward anything that God gives. To you. Let's pick on the people overseas. I'm not going to pick on people here. I was in New York City. There's a neighborhood called Queensbridge, and what they did is they built these new beautiful apartment uh, buildings called the projects, right? And what they did is they went and took people from the shacks and moved them into these uh, buildings, and they moved them in there. Beautiful buildings. Everything works. The lift works, and so on and so forth. And in three years, when they came back, the apartment buildings looked exactly like where these people had come from. Why? Because the people were still running on a track that's based off of where they came from the, the, the problem is never more stuff it will just make you more accountable the problem is to change your thinking Billy Eppard says this he says if you get a million you're going to have to become a millionaire in your thinking for you to keep it because if you don't become a millionaire in your thinking, you run on a track that will take you back to your limiting belief of, I can only operate below 10,000 rand. Why? Because you're running on this track. And this is why true Bible deliverance just doesn't pray for you to fall down, throw up. There is a path we do with that. But true Bible deliverance gives you a new track to run on. Jesus said it like this. He said, if I came and cast out all demons out of you and, and you don't get a new track to run on, he's going to go find seven of his friends and come back and they're going to have a highway. A new track, but it's unhindered. It's open. It's a highway. You can speed back to that crazy place that he delivered you from. This time around. That's why they say lottery winners, by the time they finish the three years, they are worse than they were. Because the seven, them seven cats brought their friend. One cat, he brought seven of their friends. And so true Bible deliverance, you know, seeks to give you a new track to run on. 
This is why God said to the children of Israel, you shall hear a word. You shall hear a voice that says there is the way. Walk ye in it. And it's a way that leads you to freedom and to deliverance. You know, we have a good friend, uh, Stacey Speller, and uh, she has a channel where she talks about, you know, relationships. She's a relationship coach, right, between uh, 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 men and women. She, she helps people uh, date and things of that nature. And she says this. She said on a video that she posted last week, you can go check it out on Instagram, she said uh, uh, she was dealing with toxic men toxic man. And she said, man, why you keep going back to that toxic man? And I know exactly why people are going back to that toxic uh, person. He says, man, you, 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 you found your ex-boyfriend just a different shade. That's what she said. I'm not saying it. She said it. You understand? She said, it's the same guy. Just a different shade. You break up with him, you find the same guy. Beating you up, shitting on you, lying on you, and you don't kick him to the curb. Oh, no one is saying amen now. You. Because you're running on a track. And so, and so, watch this now. Now I'm about to preach. Now I'm about to preach. In the natural. This process, for example, poverty was ingrained in me. It took about 20 years. I mean, they were putting poverty in me by the drawers. I mean, we were, I, it was everywhere you look, they training me for poverty. You know, when the toothpaste is finished, they would cut that thing, and you'd put, dip your toothbrush in there, to, and then they're training you for poverty, you know. And I mean, they were proud of it. Sometimes they would say, yeah, you must learn that life. Training me for poverty. It took 20 years training me for poverty. And so I had a solid system that said poverty. Now in the natural, someone say in the natural. If it took you 20 years building it, it should take you 20 years to reverse it. Just to get to zero. Thank God we have a better way than that. We have the word of God. The word of God will break it in a moment. He says the entrance of his word. It brings light. It brings illumination. It breaks the old mold so it can give you a new path to run on. Amen. He said you shall know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. So it's the truth that will break your old mold. Amen. I said amen. Otherwise you're going to keep running back. You're going to keep running back. You're going to keep... Man, it's not the stuff. I know there are a lot of people just looking for stuff, just looking for for more money. You know, I had one friend. I mean, he was running on a a spend software. It's it's like every time he gets money, he's running on a certain level. It's like he's got a gun on his head to spend it. It's like they have put a gun and they're like, man, you need to spend it by this week. And he's running on a spend software. You may know someone like that. That's not you. Amen. I said amen. And so God wants us to use these weapons to break these strongholds, to break this old track, this old path. How do we do that? Verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought. Someone say every thought. You've got to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And being ready 
to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, you've got to be radical when it comes to thoughts that don't line up with God's word. You punish them. You don't entertain them. Amen. Amen. Don't get around people that treat you like trash. In fact, I always tell people this, man. You, you know, when, when, when people treat you like trash, all they did is drag that relationship to garbage view. I call it garbage. I ain't going to no garbage view. I don't like garbage view. I like nice places. So you treat me like trash, I'll walk away. Amen. Man, that could preach. Yeah. Amen. And so the mold you should be running on is who Jesus says you are in his word. Let's go to John chapter number 8. John chapter number 8. How do we get deliverance? Permanent deliverance. Man, I remember way back in 2003, we would pray for people, get people delivered. And, uh, you know, I believe in deliverance, supernatural deliverance. And we would pray for people. I remember I prayed for this one young girl. She had uh, stomach problems, and I prayed for her. Way back in 2003, prayed for her. She went back. Uh, uh, when, when the next visiting preacher came into town, she had worse stomach pains. And, and I said, what's going on, man? And the Lord took me to John chapter number 8, uh, verse 31 and 32. That, you know, it's not just, you know, the laying on of hands. There's another element to it that makes deliverance permanent. You know, the one time, uh, it was after church, we were meeting in Santon, and this young girl came, and, 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 and Sis Jabu called me. She said, you need to come and address this, and she was manifesting, you remember? She was manifesting, after church, she's manifesting a demon. I said, you foul spirit, come out in Jesus' name, and she continued doing that. I said, no, this is now not the demon, now this is you. <laughs> demon is gone, now you play acting now. Chill out, and she chilled out. <laughs> you got to be able to distinguish, right? The demon left, but she was, yeah, yeah. I said, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm praying no more. Demon left. <laughs> this is now you. <laughs> you remember? <laughs> and then she, 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 had it, she had it good for like two months. Free, set free. But she didn't do this. Watch what it says here in, in John chapter number 8, 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, he said this, if, someone say if. We're talking about working on your thinking, right? We're talking about mind renewal, and that's the T's and C's. If, he says, if you continue in my word, if you get this new track and you continue in it. He says, if you continue in my word, not start, stop, continue. You know, kind of like most of you, the way you drive when you get to a stop sign, S-T-O-P, means stop. It doesn't mean slow down. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. But if you were that diligent in God's word, where you don't stop for nothing, think about where you'd be right now. He says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You are the real deal. You are the ones, the people that know how to continue on that new track that God has given you. You just stay in it, stay in it, stay in it. And he says when you do that, and those are the people that he's talking to in verse 32. And you are the ones who will know. Why? Because you have tasted and you have seen that the Lord is good. It's not theory anymore. 
He says, you shall know, you are the ones who will get to a place of knowledge. You will know the truth, and what will the truth do? The truth will set you free. So it is the truth of God's word, the truth of who you are in Christ, that's going to set you free. Man, if you, if you fill yourself up with the truth, man, there's no place people struggle with. And I know and I feel for them. I'm sincerely, you know, uh, uh, praying for them. People struggle with worry, with anxiety, with depression. All that is is a deficiency of who God says they are. Because if you knew who Jesus said you are, you would not have a lick of worry in you. He says you're more than a conqueror. He says your path will keep getting brighter and brighter. In fact, David would read those things in his uh, uh, meditation time and he would come back and say radical things. David would say, man, after reading this, I can run through a troop and scale over walls. You'd never come back and say, man, I just need a hug. You won't find that verse. Ain't nothing wrong with hugs. But I'm saying, if people don't give you a hug, so what? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Are you trying to get this? That is, you don't know who you are in Christ. I remember the one time, you know, we, we had this channel, you know, call us, gave us free television airtime, 52 weeks uh, times two years, right? 50, uh, uh, 104, right? I can still do math, 104 weeks. And they gave us free television airtime. And uh, it was probably 80% through that, and we are recording and so on and so forth. Someone came in the organization who didn't like me very much. Now, here's the truth about life. There's going to be people who don't like you. So what? Jesus likes me. He loves me. Enough to die for me. Don't try to, don't try to you know, impress everybody. You, you got the one that's, that's going to like you. you know, and I found her, and she likes me so much. I'll tell you that. <laughs> And so this guy came, he didn't like me very much, and he called me into his office and said, hey, listen, we're going to fire you. And fired me on the spot, stopped the whole recording, so on and so forth. And I left there, and I went into the car park. Man, I'm angry. I'm, man, I'm disappointed in myself, in God. I'm, I'm angry. Anybody ever been disappointed with God? I'm disappointed, man. I walked into the car park, and, and, and my mind, I'm clogging my mind. I'm starting to boil up, right? And I'm starting to build another wall in here. I'm building a wall of bitterness. I'm building a wall of uh, strife. The Bible says where there is strife, there is there's confusion and every evil work. Strive, unforgiveness, all those things form a wall here that stops the power of God from flowing so you can experience it in your life. And so I'm building that wall as I walk to the car and the Lord stopped me. He said, Tavara, what are you doing? I said, I'm sulking. <laughs> he said, why? I said, because this guy just kicked me off the network. He said, who put you there? I said, you said, and it looks like you can't keep me there. <laughs> and he said, really? I said, no, I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just angry. And the Lord said this to me. He said, you're going to have to get over it. I said, why? He said, you're going down that path of offense. And he said, man, offense in the Greek, the, the word offense in the Greek is the Greek word scandalon, which means the bait of Satan. That's what it means. Literally, it's a bait, the scandalon. It's a bait that they used to use to, to trap birds. And, and whenever uh, Satan 
can, if, if he can get you to be offended, you, you're feeling good about yourself, but gotcha. Yeah. It's called the bait of Satan. It's kind of like when you put a, a, a bait on a, a fishing hook to go fishing. The, the bait that Satan uses is offense. Yeah. Ooh, if he can get you to be offended, he will get you to stop allowing the things that God has put on the inside of you to flow. And so the Lord said to me, do you want to go that path? I said, no, Lord. And he said, you're going to have to release right now. And so I released. I said, Lord, I think I've released. I thought I had released. Because when I got home, the same person called me and said, hey, listen, we forgot to tell you, you're going to have to come back in to record a goodbye message to all your viewers. And so I knew exactly what I was going to put on that teaching. I knew exactly. I had a sermon prepared for my viewers. I'm ready. I said, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. I know exactly. I'm going to tell them because we had been uh, climbing the charts. I think we were the third most watched uh, show on the, on the channel. In fact, when I left his office, globally, yeah. And when I left his office, you know, the, one of the ladies who looked at the stats ran after me. She said, do you realize you're the third most watched? I said, so what does that mean? She said, man, you're going to have to do everything you can to stay on the channel because your show is really doing well. You're climbing up the, the charts. And so I thought, man, I know exactly what I'm going to preach. I'm going to tell the people we were third most watched right now. And this clown, <laughs> that's the sermon I'm preparing. And the Lord stopped me in my tracks, and he said, you're going to go there and behave. That's what the Lord, you know, he said it in more words, but he told me, you're going to go there and behave. And so I went the next day with a sermon. I had two sermons. I had my sermon and the sermon from the Lord. I was ready to go. And when I got there, the Lord convinced me I, I preached his sermon. One of the best sermons I ever preached. We still use it even today. Still use that sermon. So I left, you know, guarded my heart, kept my heart open for flow. Someone say flow. You've got to keep your heart open for flow. When he says forgive, it's not for the other person, it's for you. So you can keep your heart open for flow. Amen? I said amen. When he says do not worry about anything, it's not for, for, for us. It's, I mean, to a certain degree and a certain extent, we get to benefit because you won't stress us out too. But I'm just saying the primary beneficiary is you. <laughs> That's the truth, man. You get around some people, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's gonna be a tough one. Amen. amen. I said, amen. amen. And so he wants you to keep that tap, that valve open. Keep it open. How do you do that? You get rid of all these uh, blockages. Keep it open. Amen. amen. And so six months went by, and the guy called me uh, on. Uh, Facebook sent me a message on Facebook, never met the guy in my life. And he said to me, hey T, I'm going to be in town, I uh, would like to do a coffee with you. Never met the guy. And so I went to have a coffee with him, and it was a different network, and it turned out he was a director, the producing director on that network, and he came to me, he said, man, listen, we're going to give you an open-ended contract with the same thing, except this one is going to be better, because you get Africa, you get the UK, you get the USA, and right now we're on TV, we were airing yesterday at uh, 10 p.m., we've been on it for at least three years now, and the Lord turned around and he said to me, listen, Tavara, let me tell you, if you can keep your heart pure, if you can keep your heart open, I will allow all of what I've prepared for you to flow through it. And so your job is to keep the valve open. And don't get involved with pettiness. I don't get involved with pettiness. Can I get an amen? amen. We're going to end with this. Let's go to Numbers. Numbers chapter number 13. Do not limit God. Don't limit him. Numbers 13 from verse 31. 
<clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. You know, God has already paid for everything. Uh, 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 he is already supplying all our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Uh, God is not limited. It's our limiter that limits God. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Psalm 78 verse 41 says, Yea, they turned back. He's talking about the story we're about to read. He says, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Did y'all see that? Psalm 78, verse 41, it tells us that they limited the Holy One of Israel. Do we have it? Can we get it at the back? Psalm 78, verse 41. Thank you, Jesus. Watch what it says. It says, yes, again and again, they uh, tempted God. And what did they do? They limited the Holy One of Israel. God in and of himself is not limited, but we can put our limits on him. And let me explain what I mean by that. God can speak Chinese. Anybody know that? He invented it. God can speak French. Anybody know that? And God can speak Spanish. Anybody know that? But the reason God can't speak to you in Spanish is because you can't speak Spanish. God can speak prosperity. Anybody know that? Yes. Ha, the reason he can't speak prosperity to some of us is because... Oh, that's guys. <laughs> God can speak healing. Anybody know that? God can speak peace. God can speak breakthrough. But the reason he can't communicate with some of us is because we are not as fluent as he is in prosperity. So God is not limited, but our limiting beliefs that we put on him can limit God. And this is why in worship, when we come, we say words like, we magnify you. God is, is already magnified in and of himself. He's already filled up all the space there is. God is everywhere. You know, you, where else are you going to magnify him? Out, out there, you can't do it. But when we say we magnify him, we're talking about in here. Because unknowingly, you could have a Mickey Mouse God that can't do nothing in here. And so you need to stretch and, and, and magnify your God. Because some of you, your God can't prosper you. Not God Almighty, but the one you put in here. You know, God went to Moses. He says, I'm going to feed you. They went to him complaining about meat. You remember the story? They said, man, we want meat. And God said, I'm going to feed you. You know what Moses said? He said, Lord, I'm counting the beasts of the field right now. We have 1,000 cattle. How are you going to feed this? Where are you going to get the meat? What he was doing is he was imposing his limiting beliefs on God. And God said, hey, listen, I'm going to prove it to you that I am God Almighty. And I can do what I want to do. And God went and bribed chicken. Go and read it. And it came by wind, already cooked. And they had chicken. Go and read it. They had chicken up to waistline. They had chicken until chicken was coming out of their ears. Amen? God is not limited. And don't try to impose your limits uh, on him. And so that's what the children of Israel tried to do. Numbers 13 from verse 31 to uh, 33, you know, God said, I'm going to give you a land that flows with milk and honey. 
And so they went up to, they went up to see the land. Uh, uh, Moses had sent them to go and see the land. The reason he sent them was to just scope out the land and see which part they were going to take first. It wasn't to see whether they could take it because God had already given it to them. But they came back and they started addressing the people, five million strong. And uh, the ten spies got up first, uh, verse 31. It says, but the man that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. They brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land which we have gone to search it is a land that uh, eats up its inhabitants. That's what makes this report an evil report. God was saying it's a land that flows with milk and honey. They turned around and it says it's a land that eats up its inhabitants. Anything that contradicts who God says you are or what God is saying about you is an evil report. Whenever you think, oh, well, no, I think we're not going to make it, you need to do this. Stop it. Because yeah. yeah. it's not God speaking to you. It's your head giving you an evil report. Yeah. I was going to say you need to say, come out, but if you, you can't cast out your brain. <laughs> but you can tell it to stop. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Say, stop it. Yeah. Line up with God's word. What did he say? He says, the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. That's an exaggeration. And then they said in verse 33, and there we saw the giants and the sons of Anak, which come of, of the giants. And watch this now. These, these words will change, will change the entire trajectory of this thing that I'm teaching. This, this may be the most important part uh, of this series. He says this. He says, we were in our own sight. In whose sight? I didn't hear that. Come on, preach with me. In whose sight? Come on, preach with me, church. In our who? They said we were in our own sight. In other words, this is how we saw ourselves. Just victims of the circumstances. Just a victim. I'm just a nobody. That's how they saw themselves. They said we were, uh, we saw ourselves. We were in our own sight as what? Grasshoppers. Watch, watch, watch this now. Watch the net effect of seeing yourself as a grasshopper. He says we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. People treat you the way you see yourself. I wonder why I get. I wonder why I keep meeting these crazy men. They're all crazy. That the market. The market is full of crazy men, Pastor. <laughs> Someone else is thinking, man, this market is solid, man. <laughs> what gets delivered to you <laughs> is how you see yourself. Because it's a, it's, let, me, let me help all the single people. All oh, my single ladies, all oh, my single ladies. Oh, my. Lift your hands if you're single. I don't mean if you have a boyfriend, you're single. Just lift your hand, single, 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 single. If you like it, you should put a ring on it. If you like it, you should put a ring. Let me help you. The dating world is spiritual. Likes attract. I've seen it in church. Someone just walks in, and, and, and they walk in, and we can see they're crazy. And they just gravitate to, towards Sister Sledge, and we say, yeah, watch. watch. 
Say, ah, watch, it's a, com it's a concoction. <laughs> you attract who you are. And this is why we tell people, when you do your dating list, you do your dating list, you know what you must do to find your dating list? Become your dating list. Don't come in this game as a grasshopper. The giants are going to see a grasshopper. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> I'm just trying to help. But Joshua and Caleb, let's end with this, verse, verse 30. Joshua and Caleb, Joshua and Caleb, this is what they say. Joshua and Caleb. He says, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses. And said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. And you know what's? The reality is both groups of people experienced what they believed in their hearts. God did not argue with either of them. He went to the grasshopper nation and he said, who do you say you are? They said, we are grasshoppers. He said, fine. And then he went over here to the overcomers. He said, who do you say you are? And they said, we are overcomers. And he said, fine. Today, God is still doing the same. Because he has set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. He encourages you to choose Joshua and Caleb. He encourages you to choose the overcomer nation. But whenever you choose the grasshopper nation, God will say, fine. This is why when you come to a place like this, we major on your identity in Christ. Man, I'm telling you, as you read the word of God, major in, in Romans all the way through to Jude. Find out who you are in Christ. Find out what Jesus says about you. Do not allow for that, that, that identity to come from some magazine. Yeah. Amen. Or some Facebook, uh, Instagram post. You let people define you. And some of the people are lying anyway. They're lying through their teeth. They take a picture 63 times. And now you're comparing a real life uh, uh, experience to a picture that's been taken over 63 times, went through, went through filters, and then went through the other one. where You can, you can actually get a six-pack. You can get Photoshop. They can put a six-pack on you, uh, increase your biceps a little bit, just boom. And then you are... You are working your entire life. They can put hair on you. They can put cornrows. I could have an afro. Praise God. I need to try it. Now I'm, now I'm tempted. Praise the I can get hair? Oh, I need to check it out. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Someone shout, I ain't no grasshopper. Someone shout, I'm well able. Someone shout, I'm equipped to possess every promise that Jesus paid for at the cross. Amen. Someone shout, my identity is in Christ. If Jesus says I can do it, I believe it, and that settles it. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am not defined by my past mistakes because God shall not remember them anymore, neither shall I. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, whenever you start to doubt yourself, go back in the Word, read from Romans to Jude, top up on identity. 
And in there you're going to read things like the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. Now if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of me, I'm not going to be disappointed if someone cuts me in traffic. That doesn't define me. I'm going to be disappointed if someone talks about me behind my back at work. That doesn't define me. I have a solid identity in Christ. Amen? As you get in there, you're going to read things like you are more than a conqueror. As you go in there, man, I'm telling you, you're going to find out who you really are in Christ. And when you do, you'll stop letting this, the body, define who you are in your spirit man. In fact, concerning your spirit man, he has sealed your identity with the seal of the Holy Spirit of redemption. Nothing can come out, nothing can go in to try and taint who Christ has made you to be. This is who you're going to be. And I believe this is the reason why the Bible says when we get to heaven, after we made it and we are with God Almighty, the Bible says, God will wipe tears off our eyes. I thought about it. I said, man, if you're in heaven, why would you be crying? Because all of a sudden, we're going to find out who we really were. You say, wait a minute. <laughs> I could have lived not defined by a heartbreak. And Jesus will say, yeah, you could have gotten over it in two hours. And you... <laughs> <laughs> I held on to it for 10 years people start crying and they find out who they really are in Christ so I let my grade 5 teacher when she told me or he told me that I would never amount to anything I put that in my heart and made that a part of my identity Jesus you are telling me that you had put potential on the inside of me for me to have greatness and to change this world? He says, yeah, come, let me show you. He'll show it to you. People start crying. <gasps> you left to wipe tears off our eyes. Because all that junk you're putting up with, he's already given you enough strength to overcome it. Watch this now. In a moment. Do not let your past define you. Some of you have made mistakes that your family has told you. This is it. That was a life-defining mistake. No, I had another life-defining moment with Jesus when I accepted him as my personal Lord and Savior. And I continue to have other life-defining moments when I get in his word and he changes the way I think and he brings me transformation. I move from a caterpillar to a butterfly. If you don't believe it, hide and watch. This is who God says you are. And hold on to it. I'm telling you, this is what you must hold on to. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. Lord, I thank you for these, your precious children. I thank you, Father, that none under the sound of my voice will live below the promises that Jesus paid for at the cross. I thank you, Father, that as they get into your word, that your word will begin to write a new software. A new software that is based off of the promises that Jesus paid for at the cross. A software that says we are well able to overcome it. Amen. We rebuke 
a grasshopper mentality right now in the name of Jesus. We rebuke a grasshopper mentality in the marketplace. We rebuke a grasshopper mentality in life. We say, come out and be gone in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you have not called us to be grasshoppers. It is not humility to say we are grasshoppers. We know that humility is to align ourselves with who you say we are. And you say we are well able. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And this morning, Father, we say thank you that we will not live below what Jesus paid for at the cross. We will look up and allow your word to define our identity. We pray, Father, for those who are single and those who are looking and believing you for a mate. Lord, we thank you, first of all, for a complete healing and restoration of their hearts and their minds. Lord, we thank you that from today onwards, they will see themselves the way you see them. That they are a child of God, filled with all the potential and all the possibilities. That they will not lower their value because of circumstances. But Father, that they will believe you, those who have gone through a divorce. I thank you, Father, that they will believe you for a sevenfold restoration. It will be awesome. Their future is bright. And I thank you, Father, that as they get on that track today, you are leading them to a place of their destiny. I thank you, Father, for those who are single. I thank you, Father, that you have a, a, a God-ordained mate for them that will come and serve them, that will come and love them as Christ loved the church. And Lord, I thank you, Father, that may you uh, create a path so that their paths will collide. Thank you, Lord, that for some it will be their uh, 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 workout partner at the gym. I thank you, Father, that for some it will be the next person they sit next to on the airplane uh, going somewhere. I thank you, Father, that uh, it could be someone in their life group or someone at church. I thank you, Lord, that you are creating a junction for their path to collide. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for orchestrating this. And I thank you, Father, that as they meet, they will be in a healthy state mentally. They will be in a place where they can function without any suspicion. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And someone say it. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.